0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn. The classic tales of ancient Greece have become so incorporated with our language and thought and so interwoven with our literature that it is safe to say that we couldn't do away with them if we tried. With some exceptions, the stories are no longer taught in our schools, thus depriving young students of a great deal of culture that is still a part of our own. Almost every day, we hear or come across the mention of a word or expression that has its origin in Greek tales. It might be Zeus or Hercules or Andromeda or Daedalus or the names like Titans, Mercury, Pluto, Perseus, Poseidon or Venus. All superheroes of the past, and many of them characters that today's superheroes are based upon. Then there are the Greek tragedies, like Oedipus Rex and Prometheus Bound, with characters whose acts and personalities and stories have become stuff of legend. So when I found James Baldwin's old Greek stories, I thought your listeners might appreciate an occasional dose of Greek legend. Baldwin does a masterful job with these stories, trimming down the heroes as gods aspect and relating just the story in the language of today without moralizing. Today, three stories from James Baldwin's Tales of Ancient Greece starting with Jupiter and his mighty company. Then, our second story, The Golden Age. And then our third story, The Story of Prometheus, Part 1, How Fire Was Given to Men. Hope you enjoy them. And now, James Baldwin, Jupiter and His Mighty Company. A long time ago, when the world was much younger than it is now, people told and believed a great many wonderful stories about wonderful things which neither you nor I have seen. They often talked about a certain mighty being called Jupiter, or Zeus, who was king of the sky and the earth, and they said that he sat most of the time amid the clouds on the top of a very high mountain, where he could look down and see everything that was going on in the earth beneath. He liked to ride on the storm clouds, and hurl burning thunderbolts right and left among the trees and rock, and he was so very, very mighty that when he nodded, the earth quaked, the mountains trembled and smoked, the sky grew black. "'and the sun hid his face. "'Jupiter had two brothers, "'both of them terrible fellows, "'but not nearly so great as himself. "'The name of one of them was Neptune, "'or Poseidon, "'and he was king of the sea. "'He had a glittering, golden palace "'far down in the deep sea caves "'where the fishes live and the red coral grows, "'and whenever he was angry, "'the waves would rise mountain high, "'and the storm winds would howl fearfully, "'and the sea would try to break over the land.' and men called him Shaker of the Earth. The other brother of Jupiter was a sad, pale-faced being whose kingdom was underneath the Earth, where the sun never shone, and where there was darkness and weeping and sorrow all the time. His name was Pluto, or Adonis, or Adonius, and his country was called the Lower World, or the Land of Shadows, or Hades. Men said that whenever anyone died, Pluto would send his messenger, or shadow leader, "'to carry that one down to his cheerless kingdom, "'and for that reason they never spoke well of him, "'but thought of him only as the enemy of life. "'A great number of other mighty beings lived with Jupiter "'amid the clouds on the mountain top, "'so many that I could name a very few only. "'There was Venus, the queen of love and beauty, "'who was fairer by far than any woman "'that you or I have ever seen. "'There was Athena, or Minerva, the queen of the air, "'who gave people wisdom.' "'and taught them how to do very many useful things. "'There was Juno, the queen of earth and sky, "'who sat at the right hand of Jupiter "'and gave him all kinds of advice. "'There was Mars, the great warrior, "'whose delight was in the din of battle. "'There was Mercury, the swift messenger, "'who had wings on his cap and shoes. "'There was Vulcan, a skillful blacksmith, "'who had his forge in a burning mountain "'and wrought many wonderful things "'of iron and copper and gold. "'And besides these, "'There were many others about whom you will learn by and by, "'and about whom men told strange and beautiful stories. "'They lived in glittering, golden mansions, "'high up among the clouds, "'so high indeed that the eyes of men could never see them. "'But they could look down and see what men were doing, "'and oftentimes they were said to leave their lofty homes "'and wander unknown across the land or over the sea. "'And of all these mighty folk, "'Jupiter was by far the mightiest.'" We'll return with our second story right after these sponsor messages. And now, The Golden Age by James Baldwin. From his Old Greek Stories Jupiter and his mighty folk had not always dwelt amid the clouds on the mountaintop. In times long past, a wonderful family called Titans had lived there and had ruled over all the world. There were twelve of them six brothers and six sisters. "'and they said that their father was the sky "'and their mother the earth. "'They had the form and looks of men and women, "'but they were much larger and far more beautiful. "'The name of the youngest of these titans was Saturn, "'and yet he was so very old "'that men often called him Father Time. "'He was the king of the titans, "'and so, of course, was the king of all earth besides. "'Men were never so happy as they were during Saturn's reign. "'It was the true golden age then.' The springtime lasted all the year. The woods and meadows were always full of blossoms, and the music of singing birds was heard every day and every hour. It was summer and autumn, too, at the same time. Apples and figs and oranges always hung right from the trees, and there were purple grapes on the vines, and melons and berries of every kind, which the people had to but pick and eat. Of course, nobody had to do any kind of work in that happy time, There was no such thing as sickness or sorrow or old age. Men and women lived for hundreds and hundreds of years and never became gray or wrinkled or lame, but were always handsome and young. They had no need of houses, for there were no cold days nor storms nor anything to make them afraid. Nobody was poor, for everybody had the same precious things, the sunlight, the pure air, the wholesome water of the springs, the grass for a carpet, THE BLUE SKY FOR A ROOF, THE FRUITS AND FLOWERS OF THE WOODS AND MEADOWS. SO, OF COURSE, NO ONE WAS RICHER THAN ANOTHER, AND THERE WAS NO MONEY, NOR ANY LOCKS OR BOLTS, FOR EVERYBODY WAS EVERYBODY'S FRIEND, AND NO MAN WANTED TO GET MORE OF ANYTHING THAN HIS NEIGHBORS HAD. WHEN THESE HAPPY PEOPLE HAD LIVED LONG ENOUGH, THEY FELL ASLEEP, AND THEIR BODIES WERE SEEN NO MORE. THEY FLITTED AWAY THROUGH THE AIR, AND OVER THE MOUNTAINS, AND ACROSS THE SEA, to a flowery land in the distant west. And some men say that, even to this day, they are wandering happily hither and thither about the earth, causing babies to smile in their cradles, easing the burdens of the toil-worn and sick, and blessing mankind everywhere. What a pity it is that this golden age should have come to an end. But it was Jupiter and his brothers who brought about the sad change. It is hard to believe it, But men say that Jupiter was the son of the old Titan King Saturn, and that he was hardly a year old when he began to plot how he might wage war against his father. As soon as he was grown up, he persuaded his brothers, Neptune and Pluto, and his sisters, Juno, Ceres, and Vesta, to join him, and they vowed that they would drive the Titans from the earth. Then followed a long and terrible war, but Jupiter had many mighty helpers. A company of one-eyed monsters called Cyclops were kept busy all the time, forging thunderbolts in the fire of burning mountains. Three other monsters, each with a hundred hands, were called in to throw rocks and trees against the stronghold of the Titans, and Jupiter himself hurled his sharp lightning darts so thick and fast that the woods were set on fire, and the water in the rivers boiled with the heat. Of course, good, quiet old Saturn and his brothers and sisters "'could not hold out always against such foes as these. "'At the end of ten years they had to give up and beg for peace. "'They were bound in chains of the hardest rock "'and thrown into a prison in the lower worlds, "'and the cyclops and the hundred-handed monsters "'were sent there to be their jailers "'and to keep guard over them forever. "'Then men began to grow dissatisfied with their lot. "'Some wanted to be rich and own all the good things in the world. "'Some wanted to be kings and rule over the others.' Some who were strong wanted to make slaves of those who were weak. Some broke down the fruit trees in the woods, lest others should eat of the fruit. Some, for mere sport, hunted the timid animals which had always been their friends. Some even killed these poor creatures and ate their flesh for food. At last, instead of everybody being everybody's friend, everybody was everybody's foe. So in all the world, instead of peace, there was war. Instead of plenty, there was starvation. Instead of innocence, there was crime. And instead of happiness, there was misery. And that was the way in which Jupiter made himself so mighty. And that was the way in which the golden age came to an end. And now our third story. With all this bad news for mankind, all caused by Jupiter and his brothers, there had to be some relief. And that first bit of relief came from Prometheus. AND NOW THE STORY OF PROMETHEUS PART ONE HOW FIRE WAS GIVEN TO MEN IN THOSE OLD OLD TIMES THERE LIVED TWO BROTHERS WHO WERE NOT LIKE THE OTHER MEN NOR YET LIKE THOSE MIGHTY ONES WHO LIVED UPON THE MOUNTAIN TOP THEY WERE THE SONS OF ONE OF THOSE TITANS WHO HAD FOUGHT AGAINST JUPITER AND HAD BEEN SENT IN CHAINS TO THE STRONG PRISON HOUSE OF THE LOWER WORLD THE NAME OF THE ELDER OF THESE BROTHERS WAS PROMETHEUS ALSO CALLED Forethought, FOR HE WAS ALWAYS THINKING OF THE FUTURE and making things ready for what might happen tomorrow, or next week, or next year, or maybe in a hundred years to come. The younger was called Epimetheus, or Afterthought, for he was always so busy thinking of yesterday, or last year, or a hundred years ago, that he had no care at all for what might come to pass after a while. For some cause, Jupiter had not sent these brothers to prison with the rest of the Titans. Prometheus did not care to live amid the clouds on the mountaintop, "'He was too busy for that. "'While the mighty folk were spending their time in idleness, "'drinking nectar and eating ambrosia, "'he was intent upon plans for making the world wiser and better "'than it had ever been before. "'He went out amongst men to live with them and help them, "'for his heart was filled with sadness "'when he found that they were no longer happy "'as they had been during the golden days when Saturn was king. "'Ah, how very poor and wretched they were now! "'He found them living in caves and in holes of the earth.' "'shivering with the cold because there was no fire, dying of starvation, "'hunted by wild beasts and by one another, the most miserable of all living creatures. "'If they only had a fire,' said Prometheus to himself, "'they could at least warm themselves and cook their food, "'and after a while they could learn to make tools and build themselves houses. "'Without fire, they're worse off than the beasts.' Then he went boldly to Jupiter, and begged him to give fire to men, so that they might have a little comfort through the long, dreary months of winter. "'Not a spark will I give,' said Jupiter. "'No, indeed. Why, if men had fire, they might become strong and wise like ourselves, and after a while they would drive us out of our kingdom. Let them shiver with cold. Let them live like the beasts. It is best for them to be poor and ignorant, so that we mighty ones may thrive and be happy.' Prometheus made no answer, but he had set his heart on helping mankind, and he did not give up. He turned away, and left Jupiter in his mighty company forever. As he was walking by the shore of the sea he found a reed, or, as some say, a tall stalk of fennel, growing, and when he had broken it off he saw that its hollow center was filled with a dry, soft pith which would burn slowly and keep on fire for a long time. He took the long stalk in his hands, And started with it towards the dwelling of the sun in the far east. Mankind shall have fire in spite of the tyrant who sits on the mountain top, he said. He reached the place of the sun in the early morning, just as the glowing golden orb was rising from the earth and beginning its daily journey through the sky. He touched the end of the long reed to the flames, and the dry pith caught on fire and burned slowly. Then he turned and hastened back to his own land, carrying with him the precious spark. "'hidden in the hollow center of the plant. "'He called some of the shivering men from their caves, "'and built a fire for them, "'and showed them how to warm themselves by it, "'and how to build other fires from the coals. "'Soon there was a cheerful blaze "'in every rude home in the land, "'and men and women gathered round it, "'and were warm and happy, "'and thankful to Prometheus for the wonderful gift "'which he had brought to them from the sun. "'It was not long until they learned to cook their food,' "'and so to eat like men "'instead of like beasts. "'They began at once "'to leave off their wild "'and savage habits, "'and instead of lurking "'in the dark places of the world, "'they came out into the open air "'and the bright sunlight, "'and were glad "'because life had been given to them. "'After that, "'Prometheus taught them "'little by little, "'a thousand things. "'He showed them "'how to build houses "'of wood and stone, "'and how to tame sheep "'and cattle "'and make them useful, "'and how to plow and sow, and reap, and how to protect themselves from the storms of winter and the beasts of the woods. Then he showed them how to dig in the earth for copper and iron, and how to melt the ore, and how to hammer it into shape and fashion from it the tools and weapons which they needed in peace and war. And when he saw how happy the world was becoming, he cried out, "'A new golden age shall come, brighter and better by far than the old.' Thanks for joining us at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. We'll be back with more of James Baldwin's old Greek stories in the weeks to come. Keep an eye out for this ongoing series. We love and appreciate reviews. So please send us a written review at Apple Podcast App or Stitcher, or just drop us a note at 1001 Podcast at gmail.com. And here are a few recent reviews for 1001 Classic Short Stories right now. The first one, Great Entertainment, 5 stars. John and his stories accompany me on my morning power walk. Getting lost in the story propels me on in order to hear it all before I hit home. Thanks for the smiles and chuckles and the thought-provoking along the miles. James and Penelope's person, Apple Podcast. And this one, the end of the story. And that refers to a recent Jack London episode. Five stars. Fantastic. Wonderful job of reading it. Wow. That one from Market Pop, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, fantastic content. Five stars. Love to hear the familiar and the new short stories. Reading and presentation, even music, are fabulous. Down from Natalia14, Apple Podcast, US. And this one, entertaining and educational. Five stars. This is a fantastic podcast. I spent a couple of months binge listening to every single podcast, and I encourage you to do the same. This turns all of your otherwise unproductive time into a joy of entertainment and education from classic stories by excellent authors. Down from J.J.S. Togger2, Apple Podcast U.S. And this one, Hooked Listener, five stars. John does an excellent job with this podcast. His skills run deep, from quality story selection to fantastic presentation. What a pleasure it is to have him along for my car trips and for me to tag along in his weekly adventures. A great travel companion. Down from Stan the Center, Apple Podcast U.S. And this one's perfect for hikers, five stars. Love listening to these stories while hiking. Thank you for making this podcast. Down from Sissy, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, Wish I'd Found These Sooner, Wonderfully Read, Five Stars, Wonderfully Read, Interesting Stories. As a homeschooling mother, my children and I read about many of these authors and some of their works. How happy I am to have found more of them. And as a bonus, having them read to me. Thank you, John. Down from Anna Jean Michael, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, Random, Five Stars, Discovered Your Podcast Two Years Back, Still listening, enjoying, and looking forward to your company. I'm Kalaisabe, Apple Podcast India. Thank you all so very much for taking the time to write and send these reviews. They are greatly appreciated, and they help new listeners find us. And if you're looking for more great stories, I can recommend a few more literature and history podcasts, starting with 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. And all you have to do to find that app is search for 1001 Heroes. Then there's 1001 Ghost Stories and Tales of the Macabre, where you'll find Lovecraft and a lot of other scary, scary authors. Then there's 1001 Stories for the Road, where we do our adventure and mystery books. Right now, The Secret Adversary by Agatha Christie is playing at 1001 Stories for the Road. Give these podcasts a try, and I know you'll enjoy them. Until next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.